All right, guys, welcome into the locker room here. We're going to focus on team building, roster construction, draft strategy, and, of course, trade negotiations. I'm here on Burke. I'm joined with my guy, my nemesis, my rival uh, for anything and everything fantasy football. That is the madman, Sean Pomeroy, the current title holder of the Fantasy Affairs Staff League. What's up, Sean? Oh, I love it. It, make, it turns me out a little bit. Nice, sexy introduction there. I appreciate it there, friend. Oh, I'm excited. Let's get rolling again. We're right back at it. The last uh, time we spoke was so much fun. I can't wait to do it again, which we're doing right now. Yeah, episode two. We're just gonna. We, we've already talked to you through uh, settings. We've talked to you through where to find the league, uh, how to lock up your funds, and then how to uh, attack a specific draft board. First of all, draw one up. Second of all, find a partner on the other side of the dance floor. Find where your um, tiers are supposed to happen according to ADP. Find where you're comfortable reaching. We've already established all of that. Listen to the last pod. You can find us at on fffair.com. Today, we're going to get together with the just the actual team, man. How do you like to build running backs, wide receivers? This is a super flex, one quarterback, super flex, tight end, tight end premium, two running backs, three wide receivers, and two additional flex. So you got 10 spots here. We've already established like we like to attack the top top seven or so rounds, top six or so rounds, and and get extra picks in there. Uh, accumulate draft picks for the future just so you can trade them back into this draft. We're going to play to win off the bat. We're going to try and turn some money around. All right, man, let's get into it, Sean. So when you, what, what's your team base? What's your build? What, what do you attack the most? Uh, it, when it comes to this uh, team constructing thing, it, it goes back to just how I used to play back in the day and it's kind of carried over. And it's actually, I think giving me a slight advantage in dynasty because there's this whole, uh, like robustest, robust RB, robust RB. Oh, there's only so many RBs. There's so many wide receivers. So everyone just, there's, and I take advantage of this. People love RBs. They're, they're just these RB lovers out there that just value them so much higher than they do wide receivers. And I am a wide receiver. Yeah, just uh, kind of sewer, sewer, right? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I love these fellas. I love the wide receiver position. I've always have, and it's given me an advantage because, especially, we're talking PPR. Like this format that you just laid out for it's super flex PPR. This is my forte. I feel like if I'm in a league like this, I'm going to do well because it fits right into. I can't do this strategy if it's half point. I can do an altered version of it, but I can go hard into it in a PPR format, like. You just mentioned the staff league that that team was founded upon Stefan Diggs, Devonte Adams and Travis Kelsey. Like the reason that team was the first, the number one seed and then won the championship is because in a PPR format, those top 10 wide receivers are going to be the foundation of my team. I am looking for stud wide receivers. Like I would, I'm not a zero RB guy by any stretch of the imagination. I think that's just dumb. I think it's, I, I want to maximize every single position. And so the fact that I have three receivers and two flexes, RBs can be hard to come by. I don't like RB2s. RB2s can suck my cock. Like they, they I can, I can, I can walk, I can navigate through that world, the RB2 world. They pop on the radar and they die and they pop on the radar and they die and they just get cycled out. Like the cycle of life is the RB2 position. I want an RB1 stud. I'm getting a stud RB. I don't think you can win a championship, although I just did, without a stud RB. You're looking for that top five guy, and I'm going to do what I can to get that guy on my team. Um, but I want that one stud RB. 
And then in this current format with the three receivers and the two flexes, I'm looking to get the best five receivers possible. I'm looking to get the best starting lineup possible. And that that'll happen in a PPR with the best receiving core. So I'm looking for ideally, I know it sounds like, Oh, this guy's nuts. Of course we'd all want this, but that's what I go in thinking. And then I somehow manifest this because I go through different ways of making it happen in my team construction. I want those three top 10 guys. And I want that to be the foundation of my team. I don't care if they're in their prime. I love guys in their prime. I'm always ideal. If you look at any of my teams, they're all these guys in their prime or maybe it's a little bit post prime. And then I always have my, my youth sprinkled in. I'm not anti-youth by any stretch of the imagination. That's just dumb. I'm not anti-anything. Um, but I still have my preferences. I have my, you know, the word affinity, Burke, like why, do you, why are you an ass man? Why are you a tit man, you know? Like what's your favorite color, Berkey? What's your favorite color? It's brown. No, oh, that's disgusting. Come on. Seriously? Delicate and brown. That's so weird. I like to be different. You're, you're live in Chicago. And you're a Spurs brown. fan. You're going to tell me my favorite color brown beans. Weird. You know why I like it? Because it's weird. I do I like all the different shades of brown. No, no one, a lot no of brown pants. Got a lot of brown that. coats. No one's ever said that. And I've asked that question. And uh, I'm happy for you. I'm happy that you're Keeping happy. you on your toes. I'm alone. I'm, I'm alone over here. Brown is you good. Like Just it. don't sleep on my buddy brown, dude. It's a good color. It looks good. It looks good on me. So you like to get that one RB at the top. And you like to stay good with your five different top ten wide receivers, like you do. Five, so no, 10. no, that you were defensive because of the previous pod a year ago, where I just blasted you and said you said stay good. That became our slogan. It is what it is, folks. It's a beautiful thing. It's organic as hell. Here we go, man. Uh, so when you are looking to uh, trade back, you're going to look to attack those specific rounds between five and seven. That's where you're going to get your wide receivers, yeah. So this is exactly right, is what you find yourself in the fourth and fifth round is these borderline wide receiver ones. There's this like heavy group of, there's this big mess of wide receiver twos and it's huge, it's massive. And some of them are more like low-end wide receiver ones. They operate like the Bobby Woods of the world. Um, Alan Ride, the guy's right on that cusp. And I think now with these rookies coming in, that thing is expanding. So I navigate that realm in a way where I'm looking for the guys I can count on, the guys that are undervalued and I can count on, and studs. So I'm looking to get those studs, those top-end guys, and then the, the, the Robert Woods, the Thielen, the guys that are just undervalued but still performing at that top-10 level. Um, so cause, Because value-wise, it's, it's not possible. You're right to just, okay, I just want all the top guys. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go get all the best players. No, it's a mixture of studs and uh value plays and then again I, like i say i sprinkle in my youth because you always got to have those sexy pieces i believe and 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 uh i will if i'm on the clock too i've learned this lesson it actually failed me the last draft and i'm not going to do it again i'm going to go with my gut if there's like an ajb and on the clock and maybe you're not an ajb fan but you know the world is you know the entire world is an ajb fan a dk fan and you know that jonathan taylor is on the clock you better be pressing that button just to be able to sell them and that is an art form um, that cannot be lost in this extravaganza of dynasty football is understanding the heartbeat and the echo chamber that is the community and what people think. Um, because I pride myself on understanding the market and, and understanding the market is a huge aspect of building a team and how you can do that. And so I can get my studs and then I can fill in the other spots with the guys that are going to perform 
that aren't sexy because sexiness is such a fucking factor in dynasty has it ever been and once i learned this i took advantage of it hardcore it's like oh my god just because he's pretty you like him well he's not he's not good but he is pretty and so i would sell him on his prettiness rather than his goodness and i'm, I'm after goodness <laughs> i'm after goodness yeah dude for sure um you talked you talked about going robust rb and if you're going to go robust rb which is where you just want to Go ahead and have the guys to fill in there and and have a more uh, an easier protection from week to week. You're going to need a lot of floor from your wide receivers. If you're going to take uh, four or five running backs to the top eight rounds, those wide receivers that, or quarterbacks that you do draft have got to hit. Uh, on the on the flip side, like the difference between a RB one and RB two and RB one and RB three. Let's go RB one to RB three. Is like it's like eight or nine points per game. And the difference between a wide receiver one and a wide receiver three, a low end one and, and somewhere in the 35 range, uh, it's like three points per game. Um, so it's much less. And, and you're going to have those guys at the bottom that maybe miss a bunch of games. Uh, so they end up in the in the 30s or perhaps have a couple huge games where they were the guy and it was very clear that they were going to start. You're talking about your Marvin Jones, uh, your Paramins from years past where somebody just steps into a huge role. Uh, T.Y. Hilton coming on late here, facing Houston twice and Tennessee and stuff like that, where where you know that somebody's going to get a huge increase. And and when you're at the running back position, you're either going to get the run, you're either going to be the guy, or you're not. When you're at a, as a wide receiver, you're on the field more. Uh, there's more two, three wide receiver sets. Uh, there's more targets to go around than there are rushing attempts, and you don't necessarily have to be a game part of the game plan to show up on the stat sheet. So when you when you're focusing on the running back position, you're going to have to take one of those top guys, like he says, because you don't have elite running back uh, production, you're not going to win. Uh, but at the wide receiver spot, if you can get three, four, five, six of those guys, a couple with a floor and some high upside guys, uh, those long shots, the Will Fullers, the Brandon Cooks from the past year, uh, there's a lot of them going into next year. There's even the Gabriel Davises and, the, and those up-and-comers that are young, the T Higgins, stuff like that, that had that high upside too. So a couple old vets, well, a couple on, floor let guys. Hey, let, let me yeah. uh, interrupt you real. So why I build my teams and how it usually works out is if I have five, again, I'm looking to, and it works out sometimes where I'll have an extra RB, but I'm mainly looking for five wide receivers, four wide receivers. And what will happen is two of them get hot or one of them gets hot. The, the, the position is volatile. Okay, at a purpose. Even Tyreek Hill has bad games, even Devontae Adams, and they're human, and but probably only one or two for those guys. Everybody else, for the most part, will have only like a 60% success rate or a 60 to 70% success rate on whether you want them in your lineup. But if you have four or five of those top 15 guys, those top 20 guys, what will happen is two of them will carry you for stretches, or they all get hot and they carry you, but a couple of them, if you have a couple top five or top 10 guys, they will carry you just like an RB one or one of the top RBs would. It's the same kind of production. And this is how I build all my teams. We'll talk about tight end too. I don't punt tight end. I never have, never will. And I'm always looking to get more of that edge, even at quarterback. I'm looking to get an edge at every position. I just feel like the one position that I leave for last to fill my team is that RB two position. I feel like that's the easiest and it's, you can just rotate. Even if it's dynasty, you can just find a way to fill it. But give me that stud RB and just a whole flocking farm of stable and juicy wide receivers to just always keep me in it. Um, yeah, it's so funny it's, that you you, uh, and you here and the biggest factor too to finish it off is they don't disappear. 
Like wide receivers can disappear. They can come and go, but you can find guys that are just going to be here and you don't have to worry about that cliff. That is one of my biggest fears in playing dynasty is one of the biggest parts of me building. Why I do is that RB cliff. I hate the idea in the whole thing because it's such a real thing and how the RB is treated. Like it's a, it's an ongoing joke. Don't let your child become a running back in the NFL. <laughs> Um, because you just get treated like a, just a, not a uh, you do you and do so second class citizen somebody that's not necessary for sure it's, it's how i treat rbs and dynasty too i i treasure wide receivers um and that's how i will and it, it can be difficult trading sometimes because most guys and i run into this all the time where it's like no 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 Devonte adams is worth way more to jk dobbins you don't understand because he is, this is the thing. and the thing is even though that, that some people and, you're, and most people and this is what make, can make trading for me difficult sometimes. I get in these positions where I have too many wide receivers, and then I have to eventually go get that decent RB2 that I want, and I end up having to give a better receiver than I want for that. And you just have to play the field and do it the best you can. But you have to recognize who you're dealing with and negotiating with, how they value each position too, because everyone values you differently. Yeah, it's a great way to that's it's a great way to put it, man. I'm just gonna put up a couple of theoretical rhetorical questions out there. Would you rather have you know, Calvin Ridley or J.K. Dobbins? Would you rather have D.K. Metcalf or Jonathan Taylor? I understand your answer here. Would you rather have Keenan Allen or somebody like, I don't know, David Montgomery? Like, there's a lot of those questions out there, and I'm going to I'm gonna go wide receiver as well. Uh, you called them stable, and it was funny because you just talked about how volatile they are. 60% hit rate on a weekly basis is actually a good wide receiver. But like you said, they're going to be in the NFL. They're going to be on the field. They're going to be activated. Um, they're going to have longer careers, and the cliff for the running back is terrifying. So, you really, you really clean that up well. For me specifically, I do kind of the same build. I'll take my quarterback, my first quarterback, much earlier than he will. I will uh, absolutely go after my guy, uh, and the running back position is the one that I'm the worst at. And the tight end was two years ago, and I learned my lesson, and now I just go get an elite tight end, which kills my running back position but there's a lot of those guys for the rb2 spot we don't play for a whole season we don't play best ball we play a week at a time and there's a lot of guys like jamal williams tony pollard chase edmonds uh, that, that'll give you a week or two daryl henderson and then you got the almighty jd mckissick who absolutely blew up here uh in this particular season so we're going to get into more specifics on where our tiers break we're going to break down uh specifics on on our builds, whether it be a certain amount of youth movement or some older guys. But first here, a little musical break. Put uh, forty six and two in there, 
So just so y'all know, you need to go check out Tool. So we've already uh, highlighted how you like to go with one heavy RB and then build around wide receivers to get that RB2 with high upside. We've named a few from the previous season that had that kind of ability. Uh, there's always your guy, Jamestown, James Robinson, those late guys, those McKinnons, those fillers to get you that RB2 from week to week. Uh, a lot of handcuffs and and you like to go with a lot of wide receivers and I want to bring us to another point that we both learned off of a specific pod uh, that was fantastic and it talked to us about buckets so why don't you talk to me about your concept around buckets and what that means uh, around your team building oh the bucket idea it's it's a great way of looking at it. it's it's the same thing as kind of like a portfolio it's a very basic idea um of what kind of player you're getting. Are you getting someone old? Are you getting a Julio? Are you getting a TY? Are you getting a, um, it's Marvin, AJ green, like someone that's just dying, but they might produce for you. That's a kind of bucket. Like the, the TY Hilton is a face of that bucket. Julio Jones. No, I think this year it's going to be like a Thielen Marvin Jones thing. T- yeah. You know. Well, yeah, Thielen yeah. Thielen is, is the, I guess, like I guess, I guess, I guess, I think, I think too highly of Thielen to put him in that bucket. But he that's is not, that. But he, he's but the he, gold of that bucket. He is. He's the face. He's the president of that bucket. He, really <laughs> he is. Julio Jones and him are the the founders <laughs> of this, of this yeah. current that current bucket. The two best at the head of that bucket are Thielen and Julio. Um, and then the next bucket is just prime guys in their prime: Nuke, Adams, um, A. Rob Woods, just guys. Keenan Allen, guys that are in their prime, uh, Camara, CMC, guys that are just right there in it, their second, third, fourth, maybe even if you're a wide receiver, fifth year, um, those guys at, the, at their peak point of production. And that's what I build. We'll get into how I used my buckets, but this is the second tier of the bucket. And then you got, there's basically, there's three. That's what I should have kind of led with. There's three kinds of buckets. Uh, there's variations of each bucket, but three main types of buckets. And your final bucket is your youth, your uh, your Sandman picks, your uh, your Feed Me More picks, um, your. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who these people are. <laughs> Those uh, the youth. The I youth just like movement. to shout out. I, I talk I just like to shout youth. out. It's a shout out to our ridiculous. supporters. These kids. The out sexy there. youth would be like the Terry McLaurins, no, uh, perhaps the AJB, like, someone like that old. in the youth. Terry's in his prime already. He's See, like okay. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to drive down Terry McLaurin's price and just start calling him old so I can get him cheaper from other people. Um, but yeah, you got your youth bucket, you got your, uh, your rookies and your young guns, your second. Um, and that's what you're, that's what you're basing your team off of. And then, so you got to look at it is what percentage of my bucket. So you got a hundred percent of your team, like what percentage of the big bucket Am I going to pour these three buckets into and, and what I want and how I go about it is I love to go load up on the prime guys. I love those prime, those 27 year olds. It's like my favorite age. It's like, it's just, that's when we're meant to be like that. That's our best is it? We're 27. And uh, so those, those are usually like half my team, if not more, it's like 60, maybe 60, 70% of my team is these types of players um, that I'm trying to build around. And then I got my old timer thrown in. I got my token. And then my other guys, it feels like they're just sprinkled in from both other buckets. I don't love to go in on the old guys. 
Um, I'm not a fan of just throwing away value on a guy that could just be dead. Um, and But I will dabble in rookies and young guys as bartering chips because these guys aren't going to win me chips. I'm looking to truly dominate that year to guarantee myself in the playoffs and guarantee myself one of the best teams. So I will constantly use my youth uh, to acquire more prime bucket guys. Um, so I'm kind of in this, this dance between uh, buckets of, of eventually I want all those guys in my lineup to be in their prime, um, which is difficult to do. And usually you have to mix and match here and there. That's why the old timers can help fill in the young guys. You got to throw them in there for a few weeks, but you're not sure if you can count on them is fun, but I like to go into a season knowing what I'm getting. Uh, and that's how I map it all out after that. And then I bet on, and then I place my bets. It's like, I got house money. It's like, okay, here's my team of all prime players. And now let's go toy around with guys that might hit. And then I fill my bench with like four to five guys that I would, that I want to bet on either young guys or old guys that I feel like, you know what? I think this guy could really pop or, or, or get some value for me um, after that. So yeah, yeah. That's how I'll look at an overall uh, kind of bird's eye view of what I'm looking to do. Yeah. And when he talks about a portfolio, he's talking about like an, a financial investment, right? How much are you going to put into each kind of, of uh, investment? Are you going to, are you going to buy in heavy to the ones that are already worth a lot? Are you going to buy in heavy to the ones that look, they think they won't raise in value much, but are already, already established. Or are you going to buy in heavy to those low, uh, low cost, high yield kind of uh, investments. And so it, it sounds to me like you kind of punt the quarterback position at this no. point in a super flex league. Well, you're, yeah, that's what you're saying. You're going to take one heavy RB. You, you know, uh, let's get into it. You want to take one heavy RB and uh, take some flyers late. Uh, you want to trade your first, third round pick, something like that. Uh, either your first or second, either your third or fourth, to try and gain additional picks in the top eight so you can get those end-of-the-tier wide receiver ones, those those guys in their primes, the 26-, 27-year-olds uh, in their second contract, which is huge in the NFL so that you know that they're established, they're part of the game plan, they don't have to earn anything, and they're not going anywhere, so they're tied to a quarterback. Uh, you pair that with a high, high upside, high floor RB1, and then you take a bunch of shots at the other spots. So... Um, when you're building your own portfolio, uh, it's important to note that you're going to want to build a profit. You're going to want to have something that you can sell in the future. And um, that would be those, those youth, the, the youth movement, right? Those young guys, those rookies, those second year guys, um, Christian Kirk seems like the bottom of that. And um, the, the, all of the rookies, the Claypools, uh, the T Higgins and stuff like that, the Ragers, even that they come later in drafts. That's where you're going to learn to build your bucket. So when you trade those first and second round draft picks, it's really important to get those 10th, 11th round picks thrown in um, and, and go pick for pick uh, and not give up an extra pick because that's where you're going to find those guys, right? Yeah, you get your old timers. You can even get some rookies that are going to perform second, third year guys that everyone's given up on that mm -hmm. might be Devon, the next Devontae Adams. You never know. Like, that's why we just say don't give away picks. It's just That's just silly. Um, but no, I, we, we've left out this thing, this, what we're doing here is so it's funny. We're trying to fit this all into a time frame here, but we're, we're going to be doing this all off season on and off. You're going to have different guests 
But at the same time, we're going to be back here breaking down all kinds of ways to play this game. And I've already left out like a huge, I, like, I don't punt quarterback. If I'm going to draft in the first round, there's a chance, there's a good chance I'm taking a quarterback. Um, if I'm stuck and I don't have my first round pick or my second round pick, I believe in a super flex of having that guy. I want that guy that I know is going to be there for five plus years and be a top 10 quarterback. That is essential to how I'm going to build my team. And I've completely left that out. I learned, we were talking about it earlier and I didn't really hit on it as hard as I should have. My, I, my first super flex team, I ended up rebuilding halfway through the year. My second super flex team went undefeated because I learned my lesson. I went quarterback in the third and the sixth. I got Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott. I mean, that, that worked out pretty well. But I went in the third and the sixth because I didn't wait like a lot of other people did in that draft. I got kind of lucky, too, with hitting where I did in those spots. But I do not punt quarterback. Absolutely not. I will uh, – I will. And it's just the same way I treat – I guess quarterback and running back, I treat in the same way. I need my QB1 and my RB1. Those guys need to be there. I need the face of the franchise out there every day that's going to be the, the, the floor of my team, the foundation of it, is that RB1 and that QB1. And then I will I'll go out on the town and just see who's left at the bar at 2 a.m. when it comes to my QB2s and my RB2s. I will just uh, kind of go fishing on the value barrel. Um, I, want that, I want that guy, that sweetheart that I can take home that I know is going to be there, the Deshaun Watsons, the Kyler Murrays, the um, who else is on that list that would I feel comfortable with? I even feel uh. comfortable. I even feel comfortable with like an Aaron Rodgers right now because I would feel comfortable with him. There's certain guys like even Tom Brady. I would feel comfortable right now if my RB two. This is how it makes it up too. If my QB one is weaker than I would like him to be, and I don't get one of those top five guys, I don't get the Dak, I don't get the Patty. Then like uh, even maybe throw Herbert and Burrow's looking pretty sexy right now. I'd feel comfortable with is my QB one. Um, that's always an interesting list of who I would feel comfortable with being my top guy, but he is important and essential to how I can sleep at night. I can't sleep well if I don't have my QB one. Yeah, no doubt. I love that you bring that up. I can't wait to get into all the names that we're going to break down uh, right after the NFL draft, right before, right at the heart of draft season. We really break down who our guys are, who we're taking at what spot and we do our fantasy drafts and all of our mocks. It's going to be amazing. So, yeah, dude. Yeah. If you can't get that young top end quarterback one, uh, and you, and you have to take a youth movement at the top, like a two or something like that, and then you get to the back end, you're gonna have to get that old guy. You're gonna have to get that vet. For my experience, all of the quarterback runs I've really been a part of that are very, they're they're the long runs. They're in the fourth and the sixth round. So, you taking him in the third and the fifth, you took the the, the start of the run, and then before the second run, you took the start of the second run. So accidental or not that seems like an expert play uh it seems like you you really love to build off those wide receivers and and uh, there's one more point that i really want to bring up that you're great at and it's when when you have a guy that you want to pick uh, but there's somebody too sexy on the board especially at the top of the board or, or right there where you know that the rest of the league is chopping at the bit we're gonna hear a lot about jonathan taylor antonio gibson players like that in the offseason dk uh calvin ridley this last season A.J. Brown every year is it's going to feel like those guys that are just they're they're that trade bait man and uh, even if it's not your guy do you I personally have a tough time pulling the trigger when one of my guys is on the board I would rather be right and get my guy 
Uh, Sean, on the other hand, really just loves, he's just so good at trading on such a consistent basis. He can do 30 trades in two weeks in the same league. If everybody's active, uh, pushing pennies here and there and go get his guy anyway. So when there's somebody that's that trade bait, that sexy player that's at the top of the list and you're on the board, and it's not who you want. What do you do? How do you attack this? I take, I've learned my lesson. I've, uh, I've regretted it twice where I said to myself, I want my guy, like I'll take my Ridley instead of my DK or something. Like Ridley and DK is a perfect match. I believe in Ridley, crawl me fucking crazy. Um, it, even it was an older quarterback. And that's actually, I don't know, that's almost a little too ballsy. I don't know if I could take him over. It's right not now. though, because you got but that at the same time, But, but at the same time, changing. it's a good, but it's a good, it's a good um, representation of like Ridley's my guy. I don't really believe in DK, haven't. And it's he's hasn't had a great second half, but we're not here to talk about names. But it's a perfect example of I will take DK now because I've learned my lesson, and this is how because like you mentioned, I'm a trade. You have to know yourself too. Don't do this if you're not me because it doesn't work. If you don't, if you're not a trade fanatic and you don't have these these relationships to how to shop or market or trade a guy, then don't do it. I know how to trade, so I will take him, knowing that I'm going to go find somebody else. When there's certain players. It's all about who wants this player more than I do. That is like the essentialness to my trading is who, who wants this guy more than I do. And if I know there's a player on the board that there's like half the league. And that's the whole thing is every player has his own market. And there's, there's certain players you're only going to sell to certain teams. And there's certain guys you can sell to any team. It's like, duh, like I'll go around shopping a guy. It's like, Hey, you interested in Jonathan Taylor? And, and then there's like all the answer is duh. Yeah, of course I am. Like there's certain players, you know, and so I will take them in a heartbeat now uh, and uh, see what I can get for them because I might be able to get my guy. Plus I might be able to get the guy I was going to take. Who's going to fall maybe even like six to eight picks later because people are dumb. And then I can get my guy plus something else, a little cherry on top. And then it all works out. Yeah, all those all those tiny profits, those tiny micro uh, transactions can really lead up to a big win as long as you're active. That's why we talk about being a 7-Eleven. We talk about being 24-7, always having your market set, always knowing your price, even if you're not necessarily willing to uh, to pull the trigger. You got to know what to tell a guy when he reaches out. You got to have a price in mind. And taking those guys that are the hot commodity is a great way to do it. I want to jump in right here because you said that a price. Price is everything. Price, price, price. There was this guy when I first started playing, he would reach out to me like, what's your price? I'm like, I don't know, dude. I don't know. Let me go. Like, I didn't understand what he was saying. But to really establish what that means is what is, okay, the trade. You get to a point where you have to figure out it's all price finding. You find that price point. And does, does that price point work for you? And does it work for him? And when I first started trading, I don't know if guys it bug guys or if it didn't. Berkey it probably pissed off a lot, but I would find my price point and I would sit on it for a day because I was a newbie. I really didn't know. This was like, oh my god, it's Dynasty. I'm stuck with these guys forever, and now I make 100 trades a day. And it doesn't matter. When I first started, it was a life or death situation, and for some guys, they might treat it like that too. But it was like about planting seeds and ideas and getting. Once you find that price point, now you come back to it later anything else, but you find that. And then you find out if they're comfortable with it and then you move on. But when you plant those seeds and the first things change for a week or two, you're like, oh man, hey, how about that deal that we once had? And what's amazing about this game we play, 
is I remember somebody this season, somebody offered me Brandon cooks for Dalton Schultz and I turned it down. And like the next week, Brandon cooks went off and I'm like, Oh man, Hey, you still want to do that trade? And it's like, no, nah, it's out the door. But that's a, that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. Price points, finding them over and over again. Um, is probably something we probably said too many times already, isn't it? No, you can't say it enough. And how the market changes from day to day and minute to minute and hour to hour and how many trades go down on Sunday morning if somebody's trying to buy a win. It's important to always be on, always know about where you lie and to try and have those negotiations lined up. All those relationships that you build in the startup really continues on throughout the life of the league, especially through the first season and then the second season. Like when you get done with the rookie draft and you've talked to people repeatedly for hours in that in that day or two that it takes uh that, that really can pay off if you're dedicated and you're on top of it so we got hey, our me, buckets okay let me just yeah, finish no. off we'll talk about the buckets yeah. we talk about finding price and this is how i handled it is like i said i'll i will used to sit on trades for days in this but what i'll do now is if i know i get a hot commodity if i'm holding jonathan taylor right now okay what i'll do is i'll go around the league and, and then, like I said before, people, I'll be like, hey, you interested in Jonathan Taylor? And they're going to be like, duh. 90% of the people just say, duh. And then the other people probably be like, yeah, I mean, yeah, but I'm probably not going to pay what you want. And th those are the guys you usually don't end up doing deals with. If they answer, yeah, but I'm probably not going to give you what you want. Um, you still try. You still see what the price point I is. I see. That's funny because I'm on the other side. So I can't wait to counter this. But I will go around and I will find the opportunities before me who likes him more so i go around to every single team and then i weigh my options and i've done this this is when i started to really get deep into trading when i would just i would acquire a new player as soon as i acquire a new player i would shop him and i'd go around and be like hey are you interested are you interested in this guy this guy this guy because people knew i was always willing to deal um it worked out but that that is the thing. Figure out your opportunities. If you're going to sell, especially if you're selling a big boy, if you're selling a stud, if you're selling just like doing a little deal, whatever, but you need to know you're going to miss. There's been times where I regret a trade like, oh no, I could have gotten more. I could have gotten this instead of this and do your due diligence. Don't just take a trade right off. Unless a trade's too good to be true. Then yeah, just freaking hit that accept button. But do your due diligence when you're shopping. Don't just put guys on the block and let guys knock on your door. You go knock on their fucking door. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's for sure. That's the key, man. You have to go seek it out. Um, this is where we all pair with the Dynasty Nerds and a lot of different pods. Uh, it's really fun to have them on. And this is where the Dynasty GM tool comes into play. Um, you got to know who has what you need and how to get it. And if you don't, you're going to have to go team by team and uh, if you don't have the GM tool, just do that. You have to go team by team. You have to check it all out. Uh, it's, it's, it's very well said. On the flip side of what you said about people that just say, you know what, probably not going to pay what you want. I've had a tremendous amount of success with them because I know that they already, have, they already value him appropriately. So that I know that the baseline of whatever they're willing to pay is not going to be so low and it's easier to talk them up a little bit than it is for somebody else. It's like, of course I want Jonathan Taylor and then lowballs the hell out of me. And I got to try and walk them up step by step. So uh, take into account what people say. It is, it's actually, it's a great point. It is a good point. I, I just personally, I've had a ton more success when somebody knows what somebody's worth and they're not just going to shit on you. I'm tired of that. 
Uh, also, when you start trade negotiations, don't start at the bottom. A lot of people like to just win a trade. They'll just ask for a third or a fourth back just to win a trade. I'm on the other end, just like Sean is. I know he is. I will absolutely pay you that third or fourth just to get the deal done. I will throw in some sort of flex piece to get my stud. That's fine. And if you just want to win the trade, I'm going to go ahead and get it done. Because if you're not willing to do that, you're not going to get enough done. And, and you're, going to have, you're going to have a long decade as far as being a dynasty owner. Uh, let's learning, talk about that, learning hey, to, to finish that point, learning when you are due a third or a fourth is understanding too. I would, it's such a point where I understood value so well. It's like, no, I know that I'm due an extra second or a third. You got to give me something. And that's what you do when you're price checking is how close are the values of the players. This is why draft picks are important is they help seal deals. It's like, now the value isn't quite right. But if you threw in a second, if you threw in a third, then this works and I feel better about it um, and not trying to be stingy about it, but also trying to be able to pick up the picks when you can, but knowing yeah. when, knowing when it's not time, like there's been trades where it's like, Oh man, I let a, I let a second get in the way of getting this done. Yeah. Uh, I will always, cause I know I can get those picks back because of how I move and stuff. And if you're constantly out there, but it works both ways. Don't, if, if you, I know you're do something, then, then sit there and let the – if some guy wants to be a dick and let the third, just let him sit there for a day because he wants to, an extra third on top. But if it's something you know you need and you want done, then do it. Uh, but if it's something yeah. you're not sure about, then that's the whole thing. That's what I'll tell guys. I'm like, dude, it's right there, but it's just not enough for me. And then that's how some of my better deals get done. It's like, no, I, and I'm honest about it. I'm like, I'm right there. It feels good, but it's just not enough to give up this player. And then they throw in the kicker, and it's like, okay, now it's too good to be true, and that's how I get a good deal done. They added what I needed to feel comfortable to let player B, A, go. And they threw in that second. They threw in that second two years out. It's like, you know what? This is too much. All right, fine. Take him. There you go. And I love that you pushed that a couple of years out because that's much easier to get done than one the next year. Uh, you can get a second two years out for just about what you can get a third the next the following year. And uh, this is more, for me, it's more about the, the little trades, the trading the little guys, uh, trading the – the Melvin Gordon's for Christian Kirk and a little teeny tiny piece instead of getting a third next year, you get a, a second, two years out and the guy will just get it done. Cause he's a running back. Uh, and that trade value is not so much that I'm going to draft to that position. It's more so that I have another piece to trade. Like you said, cause when I'm trading for the big boys, I'm going to overpay today because I'm not, I'm not necessarily overpaying today to get a profit later. I might just be overpaying today to get a, to get a title. And that's what it's all about. So uh, all those little dra all, all all those little trades you're going to try and squeeze value out of, and the bigger ones I am 100% comfortable with just straight overpaying. We talk a lot, Sean and I, about different values because we both love to name our values and how they change day to day and, and based off certain teams. But uh, we'll both give you a value on any player at any given moment. Like if you just put me on the spot, I I'm going to come up with something I'm comfortable with, and so. Yeah. I'll yeah, tell you, and I'll tell so, you how confident I am about that price. There's some guys where it's it's dark, and I don't, I can't. I, I'll give you my honest opinion on whatever guy it is and where my value is, um, for sure, no doubt. And I think that's the key, man. Is you, that's how I treat this game. Is I have a value for every player worth a damn. There's some players that just fall off the radar and they're never on there, and I don't give a shit what their value is because I just won't deal with them. Um, but for the most part, because when I'm going to trade with another team, I'm looking at every player on their team. Okay. Who would I might want? And then I know, okay, I don't even want this guy at all. 
and who can be mixed in and here and there because you need the throw-ins. You need the other – you got to understand the tiers of every player and where they might fall in, who's close, who's not, um, to be able to get, get yourself some deals done. Yeah, and this is where bringing up your own rankings is going to be huge. We're going to get into our own rankings coming sometime in March. Uh, but it, it's very personable. All right, it's very it's very personal. So you're gonna know you're gonna have to know where you stand, where your tiers are. Mine are not gonna be the same as yours, and they're not gonna be the same as uh, you know any other site. So it, no. it, it's a very personal thing. I, uh, I want to go through pros as a joke. They're a joke. Well, I don't. I don't at all. Okay, I just want to go through buckets real quick. I'm yeah, gonna re-highlight trade bait and what that means, and then I want to go into storyline. Uh, so buckets, man. So we both feel probably about the same. The first thing that comes into it is age group. So you're going to want to get those guys in your prime. Uh, we both want more of those than anybody else. Those are generally going to go in the fourth and fifth round of Superflex startups. So that's why we attack those specific rounds. Sometimes they slip, slip to the sixth or the seventh. Uh, we're in a 16-team rivalry where everybody was very heated. Everybody was very intense. Uh, Adam Thielen, Jarvis Landry, uh, Devontae Parker, people like that that are 27, 28, 30, that are right at the edge of their range or in the in the heart of their prime, we're going in the seventh round at the backhand of the seventh. So uh, the, the fifth and sixth round is definitely, they're definitely available. That's where you're going to get your Keenan Allen, stuff like that. I think he went to the start of the sixth. So those guys are in their prime. That's where you're going to want to make the most um, of your team in the build. Uh, this, the second bucket would be those young guys are going to go a little after that. They're going to be the 10th, 11th, 12th pick that they're unknown. Uh, they have a lot of potential. You hope one of them hits and you can just blow up to get one of those stud guys, but you don't want to overpay for them. And the last bucket would be the vets. those T.Y. Hilton's AJ greens, Marvin Jones, David Johnson's people like that, that you really hope that they show up. Uh, you're not going to overpay. So you're going to wait for them late. So that's the percentage of buckets. And the, and the biggest thing to take into account for this, especially as it comes to wide receivers, is the contract. So people are in their prime generally in their second contract as a wide receiver and in their first contract as a running back. So when a running back goes from his first to second contract, this is the time to look to sell. Uh, maybe you wait a year, maybe you wait two years, and then you got to get out before he falls off. As far as wide receivers, you want to buy them in their first contract because once that second contract hits and they are locked in as that team's option, they're, they're game planning them. They're going to be much more difficult to acquire and much easier to trade. Uh, so that takes us through buckets. When we talk about trade bait, man, uh, we're talking about those post-type sleepers, those guys that are going to build throughout the season. A.J. Brown's going to finish like wide receiver 15 or 16. So is um, Terry McLaurin's going to finish somewhere in there. D.J. Chark's going to be really late. If you can get them early in the offseason, as the offseason goes on, they're going to raise in value. And if you can draft a guy like a Jonathan Taylor that Sean kept bringing up, that as the season goes on, the off season goes on, his, his value is just going to skyrocket and sell him later hype. or keep him. You got to take those post hype sleepers. So when we're looking for these post hype sleepers, uh, what are the things that stand out to you? So I'm going to start this off and then I'm going to kick it to you. So there's three things that stand out to me. There's those character guys. There's, there's, there's those guys that are always, it's the off season. They're not playing football. Those guys are always doing the right things. They're always at charity events. They're on Twitter. They're on social media. Uh, they hit the local news and the ESPN for the good things that they do. And you know who you're buying into. You, you know the kind of guy you're getting by. You're getting back. And on the flip side, you, you see the guys with very negative results off the field that are very positive on the field. That would be Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill a year ago. 
uh, two years ago now where they were just so cheap. Uh, the second thing I look for is those injury guys that you can buy off uh, the injury. You can buy cheap. Uh, Thielen last year, Keenan Allen was injury prone until he wasn't. Uh, A.J. Green, too. Perhaps it's justified how they drop. Perhaps it's not. And the last thing I, I like to really attack, this is the biggest thing for me, is that that recency bias. Uh, we're in the playoffs at the NFL. So last season, DK, Debo, Raheem Moser, they absolutely blew up. They were very, very, very easy to sell, knowing that they had a small sample size, but they, show, they showed up on the biggest stage, and it was the last thing people saw. Uh, on the flip side, somebody that was impossible to sell would be Todd Gurley who they made the playoffs and then his knee injury reared its ugly head. So when you're looking for post-hype sleepers, what are your uh, criteria and uh, who are the guys that you're most likely to go after? Um, but again, players that have done it like Thielen was one of my biggest off, off, uh, off season targets, the guys that have underperformed the, the value dips is how you get back in it too is after you're not doing so well you got to hit you got to you got to make up ground and you do that by taking chances on guys um and with right now too especially after this season man it's going to be fun to get into there's been some carnage yeah it is serious serious letdowns this year so the market is going to be all over the place this year i'm going to have a field day with it because you don't know everyone's going to value a lot of players so differently the joe mixons the saquon barkley's the cmc's all this there's going to be con- and then you got all these rookies and then you got all these rookies coming in. So value is going to be so interesting this off season. I'm worried things. Cause it felt like, like previous years, it was kind of like set, like it was people were in certain ballparks. Now I feel like the ballpark is wide open in a lot of areas. Um, and it's going to be fun to navigate that. Um, what was, uh, there was another point we we're getting to though. Or something I'm missing, yeah, man. Who are you, who are you attacking on on your storylines? Clearly, you just highlighted the injury guys. That's your biggest thing. Uh, the two that I highlighted were character guys, people that are good character that oh, are yeah, going to yeah. hold their value, or, or bad character. And the last one would be the playoff recency bias. Oh, the recency bias is another. That's that's what I want to finish on this part. I I wanted to point out that is absolutely huge, man. Like I mean, it's kind of like what I was just saying though earlier about JT and this and that. Is Debo Samuel last year? Is the, is, the, is the poster child for what we're talking about here. I sold right after the season ended. And the time of the year, remember you pointed this out on another pod that we did, the time of the year is everything. Selling right now is going to be fun. As soon as those trade markets open up, man, people do a lot of things that they're going to regret doing. I bought Calvin Ridley. I got Calvin Ridley in the 111 for Debo Samuel. And like, I think I threw in a second, a second and a third. Um, so I got a first round pick and Calvin Ridley for Debo after the season ended because of the way he looked in the playoffs and the way he could take advantage. And because Calvin really got injured, Calvin really got injured. He's my guy. I know Debo's not my guy. Debo's fun to watch. It's awesome, but I don't see him as the route runner and the player that Calvin Ridley is in the situation uh, that he's in. So I attack that. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm constantly looking to do is to take advantage of hype to get players that I believe in that others don't because they are uh, that recency bias that gets into it. It's, it's only natural too, is what have you done for me lately? You can't even help but fall into it yourself because if a guy's not producing, I mean, what good are you to me, sir? Yeah, no, no doubt. Debo is absolutely DK also had a phen- phenomenal game in the first round. 
Uh, they didn't make it through. Uh, Debo, though, went all the way to the Super Bowl. So, like, if you see Jonathan Taylor in the playoffs this year go for 100 yards in two straight games, his price is going to be just – it's going to be ridiculous. Okay, and if you see on the flip side, if, if Clyde had stayed healthy or Dobbins makes a big push and he gets 100, 150 yards Dude, in a playoff it, loss. Okay. It doesn't even have to be a young guy either. Like, it's, say Lockett, like, has a great playoffs and, like, helps them win it, like – get to the Super Bowl. He's been dead. He's been dead. Any player's value can take a huge rise in the playoffs. Uh, it's funny in baseball. I used to play fantasy baseball and it's the worst because baseball, the, the fact that they play 162 games, I, I love the sport of baseball, the random, the chance. One of my favorite things about baseball is that you're a hall of famer. If you succeed 30% of the time, <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a game based <laughs> on failure. Ever. Like that's yeah. why they're so superstitious. It's why baseball players are the most superstitious too. It's just, it's a game of failure. The psychology that goes into it is insane. Um, but guys have huge playoffs and they have these big series at these game winning homers. And then the regular season comes around and they're not worth a dick. So it's the same thing that can happen in football. A guy can splash, um, it, but it, the, his level his uh, his value can just spike, go through the roof. Yeah. Can skyrocket through the roof. So those are the kind of storyline guys we're looking to draft or trade for late or trade away as soon as the, um, the uh, the trade market opens, right? I, I, I just want to bring up real quick before we end this out, uh, the time of year that we like to trade. So we talked about this, and I think it was our first pod, and I was so excited to get on it because I was I was totally all about it. And and it's right after right after the Pro Bowl, right before the Super Bowl, right before and right post uh, free agent market. So you can get people that people are scared on. You get people that resign right pre and right post NFL draft. And then, and then week three of the preseason and then somewhere around week eight, week 10, right before people want to sell out before the, the uh, playoff star for fantasy football. So those are the times yeah, of year to, we're coming up on one of them right now. Right. And you want to think about those is like, those are the, that's, that's the hot points. That's the hot spot. Like oh, yeah. you just pointed out all those points, but there's like a curve on all of those hot spots. And when it starts to heat up and then when it starts to die down, like each one of them has their own little arc that you want to be a part of. You want yeah. to get in there. And yeah. I can, we, I'm always trying to make splashes in those times. So then other guys are like, Oh yeah, yeah I forgot. This is going on. You wake guys up. This is something you pointed out that I do. And that has worked to my favor is I, I'm, especially if I like, I've had a couple orphans, well, I will get in there and just make a splash and it gets people's attention. I can't tell you how many times, a trade has led to another trade because it gets other people's attention. And it's like, Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot. We can trade in here. Like people just fall asleep in leagues. And that's why I said every league needs me in it is I will keep it interesting. I will keep that trade market moving. Uh, but those are the hot spots. I didn't realize it until we were talking about it and digging into it. You just look back at it. And I was like, Oh yeah, this is when I made all those trades was these times of the year. These yeah, times absolutely. Of the year. Those, those are the hot spots. Uh, I can't wait to talk trades on the other, probably be the next episode that I have Sean on. We will just talk about how to kick up the dust and how to start it and how one trade goes kick to the next, the how yeah. it just rolls one to the next man. And it's huge. Uh, yeah. All right, man. So we got our teams here. Why don't you talk to me about the strength of your team? I'm, I know you're going to focus around wide receiver uh, and, and selling your picks into this season. And then I'll talk about mine and we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap this up, man. Which team? My hypothetical team? No, just hypothetical. When you get done with the team, where do you want your strength to be? 
again, like I said, I want a, an R, a QB one, an RB one, and then as many of the best receivers I can find. And then I, a tight end is essential to me. I too, I do not punt tight end. Um, I try to really buy who I can. I kind of actually always consider myself a tight end whisperer. And uh, with my, with my Waller call, it kind of feels like that's to be destiny. Um, I love tight ends. Right? And I will, I will make tight end a priority. I will figure out a way at tight end. I feel like I, there's a cleverness to tight end that you just have to have. I don't know. Or you just pay for the big guy. Well, you just pay for the big guy, yeah. Or you just pay for the big guy. You got to be, you got to figure out who that breakout is, or you just pay for the big guy because that big guy can, like we've seen this year, be a huge factor in your win. Um, but yeah, RB. And then I, again, those two positions that I like to play around with are the QB2 and the RB2. I like to just figure it out value wise the best, but I'm building my team around that RB1 QB in that format we talked about three wide receivers, two flexes. I'm going to load up on wide receivers and have a stud, two studs, and then a couple of, a couple of bums. Maybe not bums. I don't deal with bums. There's no bums on my team. No bums allowed. I mean, your whole team is but bums. I want to I want to talk about depth though for a second too. I do not emphasize depth too heavily. What I feel like if I'm comfortable, what I want to be comfortable doing going into a season, I want to have a rock solid, just a, a, a bonerific starting lineup, and then I want three to four guys that I am very excited for and that I want, I hope to be able to play on a consistent basis on my bench. If I don't have at least two, at least two solid, but three to four is where I'm looking to do is to have those three to four guys on my bench. And then other than that, I don't care if the rest of my roster is fucking Mike Boone. I don't give a shit. I'll yeah. leave my other stuff open um, because it's also because of how much I trade too. If I want to get depth, I can. I know how to do it. If my if my studs get injured, I'm no stranger to selling a stud midseason like Saquon Barkley. I turned around and sold him in a couple of weeks after he went gone. You can sell studs in Dynasty. You just got to find um, the right guys. Um, there's a market for everyone and everything, especially injured injured studs. You can find a way through it. Yeah, injured studs get really good around week four. Uh, those ones that are producing a ton get really good around week eight because you can – you can sell them out for people that are either looking to rebuild and, and want to get rid of some production now so they can increase their draft capital, or you can take right. advantage of people that are making the push. And sometimes you take advantage of somebody that's making the push. You find them in the, uh, in the playoffs there and you get, you get a chance to take them down. But uh, the strength of my team is also going to focus around wide receiver. If I'm forced to draft in the first round, I'm almost certainly taking a quarterback forced to draft in the second round. I'm almost certainly taking a running back. On the third round, I'm either going to take Travis Kelsey or I'm going to go wide receiver, wide receiver, and take a Darren Waller in the fifth. Like, that's just how it's going to go in my builds. A quarterback, a running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end. The, the more I can trade out of that first or second round to trade into those top seven rounds, uh, that's, that's what we want to do, man. Uh, as far as trades, man, you want to find those with similar goals. You want to find those with opposite goals. You want to find those that want to have a youth movement and sell them your youth for their vets. And you want to find those that want vets and want to win and sell them those for their young guys and a pick, man. Uh, yeah. And uh, the the last thing, as soon as you get done with a fantasy draft, find those that regret their picks, uh, that, that try and go to instant rebuild because you'll see people just hold out and be stingy as hell during the actual draft because they don't know where, who's going to fall where. They don't have their prices set, and as soon as the draft is over, 
they see a couple teams they don't think they can they can beat and they just want to instantly rebuild and that's where you take all those draft picks and all that youth that you picked up all those sexy players that were your trade bait and you instantly get a return uh far before the season ends man so yeah those extra picks are huge in the top eight rounds those futures are going to be cashed in preseason. uh don't sell your futures uh, in the middle of the season, either sell them preseason so you can get a whole season worth of whoever you're buying or sell them late because you think you're going to try and win, man. Right? Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't do what other guys let me do. The thing is about selling my picks, I was able to buy back into so many drafts. Like, make me pay for it, man, because I was able to do it. Um, don't sell your picks at that time because the value, again, that draft time, we're going to talk all about this and how the, the cycles of value. And I feel like we really got off to a great start here over the last uh, few episodes. And I'm really excited to continue to dig into all this stuff. I feel like we took, again, this uh, bird's eye view of what we're both trying to accomplish the way we play the game. And I'm excited to get into the details of it, the nitty gritty aspects of how we actually go about it. Uh, Cause you're going to learn something kids. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, and so are we. The more right we talk now. about it, the more we learn. We're all oh, learning every day, constantly. I've absolutely. learned that from you, learning from me, learning from you, learning from me, and it's a beautiful thing. Uh, sure. Thanks for joining me, Sean. This was great. Uh, as And the closer we get to the season, the better it's going to get. I can't wait to put names to this. I can't wait to break down what who we're taking where and really try and help people win themselves the titles in year one and in years to come. Uh, you can find all of our work on fffair.com. Uh, yeah, we're, we're under that umbrella. You got the mistress or marriage, which is going to be great. And that rookie fever forecast going through the entire off season. Can't wait to hear that. Of course, hot by happy hour, bringing the, bringing the heat, Matt riser. Who's our uh, fearless leader, Sean, you can find me at Eric Perkholder six on Twitter. You got any sending off notes? Yeah, I did. I did just, I, I, there was really a really good one. And it just fucking left my brain. We've been talking football for so long that, Stay good. Is that it? Stay good. Good one. Jeez. Right. Jeez. Thanks for joining us here on the locker room. We can't wait to get at you all season. Uh, stay tuned. We got a lot of great guests. We got Nick from the GM, the, the dynasty nerds that created the GM tool. We got uh, CJ Krause, who's the top, top 10 ranker in 2019. We got Garrett price. Uh, we, we've got a lot of stuff coming. And of course the entire staff, all your favorite analysts, Sean here will be on here constantly. Wait, wait, one more thing. One more thing. There's always one more. You want to do a startup right now? Should we? Yeah, let's do a startup right now. All right. We'll we'll do it live. live. We're going to do it live. Yeah. Are you going to do a startup live? (laughs) I'm kidding, of course. It's an eight-hour clock. Everybody just stay tuned. We'll go live on YouTube. Check it out. Thank you again, fffair.com. Leave us a review. Uh, Drop a comment anywhere and everywhere you find your podcast. Thanks for listening, guys.